everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Yeah, you heard the promo there. Golf Talk Canada, 7 o'clock tonight, right here on TSN 1050. So you can catch that right after Overdrive is done. And you got the Leafs and Oilers tonight. And then tomorrow, it's back-to-back for Toronto. Leafs taking on the Flames. I wonder if they can do what the Boston Bruins did, where they had back-to-back, where they are on a... Just a, a, a lot of games and not a lot of nights. And the Bruins beat Edmonton, then beat the Flames last night in overtime. Dmitry Orloff with two goals in that game. But, yeah, Leafs and Flames tomorrow, 8.30 is when our coverage starts right here on TSN 10.50. And then Friday, it is the NHL trade deadline. And I'm like a lot of you. I bet a lot of you watch the show, catch parts of it, maybe early on. Just because we kind of like to laugh, don't we? And uh, it, it, I love Duffy. I love everyone at TSN. They do an incredible job. The producers, the directors. But there's no trades on Friday. There's going to be a lot of tap dancing. Thankfully, no one does it better than those guys over there. Speaking of no one does it better, like if I hear the term, or excuse me, the name, Todd Furman, I immediately go to sports betting. I mean, he's been doing it for ages. I've heard him on countless different radio stations, seen him on TV. Saw him with Jay Onright the other day right here on SportsCenter, and he's joining us now, a former odds maker, now the co-founder of the Bet the Board podcast, does work with CBS. Uh, Todd Furman, thanks so much for joining the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on, and hopefully I don't disappoint with such a lovely introduction there about all things in the wagering world. Yeah, you know, you're right. That was unfair by me. I should have started. He's uh, he's fair to middling. Uh, it's not fair, but let's start here. I like to do a thing called the cowardly bet of the day, where I will I will take the fifth defenseman and I'll bet fifty dollars that that defenseman won't score and I'll win three dollars and twenty five cents. So that's my like cowardly bet. When it comes to Connor McDavid. Is betting on him to win any and all award, is that now the most cowardly bet in the NHL? Because it feels like he's going to win everything. I don't feel like it's a cowardly award. The only thing that could derail 97 at this point in the season would be injury. I mean, you look at the performance he continues to put up, and you mentioned doing some work with Jay Onright last week. I was surprised to see Connor McDavid only uh, right around minus $1.90 to win the Rocket Richard Award, and since then he has basically tried to put this Edmonton Oilers team on his back uh, and carry them to the finish. I mean, there's nothing that man can't do as it relates to stuffing a stat sheet from a goal-scoring perspective, assists, or, of course, taking home the hardware. So I'm not jumping in front of that freight train in any capacity. Uh, Every time we think he's raised the bar to a level that he can't surpass, he continues to take it one step further. Yeah, got uh, 50 goals the other night against the Bruins, that for the first time in his career. As for the game tonight, the Leafs and and the Oilers, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Not about, I mean, if you want to break down the third lines for these teams, fantastic. But I'm more curious about the psychology of betting on this game. Because this game is fun. This game is filled with stars. So we're all rushing to bet the over of seven total goals. We're all betting that Matthews and McDavid and everyone's going to score tonight. Uh, but then that makes me nervous, feels like a bit of a trap. How do you view tonight's game? Because uh, all of us public, all of us squares, we just want to bet the over, have a beer, and enjoy ourselves. And that was honestly the way that people were looking to bet the Oilers the last time we saw them out there against the Boston Bruins. 3-2 at the end of two periods, and then, of course, we see a scoreless third period where the game stays under the total. This game has taken on a slightly different pattern. You mentioned the total. It actually opened at 6.5. We're now out to 7. Still some 6.5s out there, heavily juiced. 
But what's been interesting about this is you've seen one-way traffic coming in on the home underdog. Edmonton right around plus $1.15 on the open, that number trending closer to a pick And the craziest part about it, because when we think about these rosters, obviously it's synonymous with high-flying offense. We know the Leafs continue to make additions. They can go three or four lines deep. But you look under the hood at some of the underlying metrics for how good these teams have been defensively. From an expected goals against standpoint over the last 10 games, the Leafs and Oilers are both in the top 10 in the league. The problem that we've seen from Edmonton more so than Toronto is that the Oilers can't get a timely save to save their life, whether it was the Pavel Zaka goal at the end of that second period against Boston or the struggles we've seen from Jack Campbell. That's the biggest problem in this kind of matchup. So I would definitely lean over. And honestly, I've burned more money at the window trying to back the Oilers in these kind of spots over their last 10 games. And whether it's the game against Boston, blowing a three-goal lead against the Rangers or the Avalanche, I've kind of sworn them off because my numbers are much higher than what I'm seeing from an overall market performance. Speaking of performance, how do you view the season-long performance of the Maple Leafs from the perspective of there is no team in hockey over the last couple of years that gets favored by like minus 250 and 300 and above and loses as often as Toronto? <laughs> Uh, inconsistency, I think, is the best adjective that we can use to describe the Leafs, not just the last season and a half, but the last couple of years. Uh, as you mentioned, clearly a team that you don't feel that comfortable laying a goal and a half with or trying to use them as a leg in a money line parlay where they're a massive favorite. You'd hope with some of the moves that they've made leading up to the deadline that they can solidify themselves in that regard because they have a couple lines that are capable of carrying that torch on a nightly basis they're a little bit deeper in their defensive core as well but those uneven performances that we've grown accustomed to between the pipes have really plagued them so Toronto's a team you look to bet on when they play elite teams and you should never hesitate from taking those generous price tags when they take on some of the bottom feeders especially down the stretch knowing that the Leafs have one thing in mind and it's obviously jockeying with the Lightning for home ice advantage in what'll be that 2-3 matchup in the Atlantic Division but given what we've seen out of Tampa the Leafs may back into it even if they end up losing a couple of those games against bottom feeders over their final 20. Oh god I'm not even I'm uh, just thinking about Toronto and Tampa in the playoffs. I'm already getting angry. Uh, joined by uh, Todd Furman. You can follow yeah, on Twitter. I was going to say, there, there are no easy outs in the Eastern Conference. So I think a lot of fans, whether you're rooting for the Devils, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Leafs, or the Lightning, uh, are going to find themselves in Maalox Mashers more often than not when the postseason starts in the middle of April. I enjoy Maalox Mashers. Ma- uh, that's a good term. Actually, you know what? Okay, let's go there for a second then. Before we talk about like trade deadline and, and what you're looking for and what's interesting you the most, I look at the East, and I've been saying this for ages and now even more so with every star going from the West to the East. I will not be betting on one Eastern team on the futures to win or get to the Stanley Cup uh, to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. To me, there is no value, and I don't think anyone has any idea. Every game is going to be a death match. I don't. I don't I, how say you? I know a lot of people are betting the Rangers, and maybe because they're they're trying to find some value there. But uh, are you betting on any of these Eastern teams, or are you staying away from it? I think that's the most astute observation out there. And people that are trying to bet a team in the East to come out and represent the conference in the Stanley Cup Final are doing the sports betting equivalent, in my opinion, of trying to split the atom right now. Because all of those teams are going to find themselves in six, seven-game series, 
and you wonder what they could have left in the tank when they draw a team out of the Western Conference. So much like you, I don't think there's any reason or incentive to add a future on a team in the East. If anything, you could bet those teams series to series and probably end up getting better return on investment by rolling over some of those series prices, especially if they find themselves losing game one or chasing a 2-1 series deficit. Whereas the Western Conference, at least for me by my numbers, there's two teams that have kind of distanced themselves from everyone else based on their ceiling. One team I feel more comfortable in their floor, of course, being the Colorado Avalanche, but we've seen their odds come crashing down from a peak around 8 or 9-1 to one to win the Cup to about 5.5 to 6. I'm a lot more bullish on the Oilers, but again, unless I can trust this team to get a timely save, real tough to try and back with a significant investment. But if you're asking me to slot teams three through eight right now, I mean, grab a deck of cards, flip it up in the air, grab a dartboard. I mean, any of those analogies would resonate because I think you're going to see a sleeper potentially emerge, and that's probably the best way to identify value, hoping they can emerge from the West and at least give you a puncher's chance in a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, yeah, God, I wish we'd all jumped on the avalanche a lot sooner. Uh, but, yeah, they got the highest ceiling, I think, of any team in the West. Uh, so, Todd, all the deals in the last couple of weeks, is is there one or two that really stick out for you the most, you know, from you know Horvat and Timo Meyer and Tarasenko and Kane and Ryan O'Reilly? Uh, I'm probably missing some. Is there one or two that sticks out the most for you from a betting perspective? I actually like what the Leafs did. I know when you look at the way they went about getting Noel Achari and Ryan O'Reilly before the bidding war really started to get ratcheted up, you bring in a guy that can offer grit and some of that sandpaper mentality uh, in Ryan O'Reilly. And the fact that John Tavares had no problem kicking out to the wing, saying he actually would relish the opportunity to have fewer defensive assignments, speaks volumes about maybe getting full buy-in from this team. And just getting the minor deals to try and bolster what this team is doing on their blue line. Jake McCabe, a player that was vastly underrated because he gets lost in anonymity playing for the Blackhawks. You now have another veteran that you can add to the fold uh, in Luke Shen along the blue line. And I'm not sure he's going to factor into the top three pairings on a night-in, night-out basis. But we've seen it in the playoffs and the way it's really become a grind that you have to have seven or eight defensemen that you can rotate through to try and keep them healthy. Uh, when you look at the Devils, I think the Timo Meyer deal will have a bigger impact for them going forward. Uh, I'm not nearly as bullish on the kind of impact he'll have right away in terms of impacting their overall playoff profile. And with the Rangers, I think they're going to go through an adjustment, to be quite honest. You have... Uh, a number of players that have grown accustomed to being alphas on their respective rosters. Last I checked, there's still only one puck to go around. And when you look <laughs> at a player like Patrick Kane that doesn't log time on the penalty kill, may not factor that prominently on their first power play grouping, how will he handle a reduction in potential minutes that are out there? So I think at least for the next 8 to 10 games, it'll be bear watching. And from a nightly value perspective, you may find opportunity to bet against the Rangers more so than to bet on them before this group completely comes together and gels. Todd, really appreciate it. You see, came out I, with high expectations, and, and you absolutely nailed it. I really, really appreciate you joining the show. And as I said, go follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. Check out the podcast, Bet the Board Podcast. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, and enjoy the great games tonight. I know everybody in the hockey world will be looking forward to what's going on out there in Alberta, even if I'll be at T-Mobile trying to root home the Golden Knights as a short home underdog against the Canes. By the way, the Golden Knights, why aren't they doing anything? 
Uh, are they going? Like, I make this joke a hundred times. Are they going for the Stanley Cup or Connor Bedard? Uh, why uh, they I mean, at nothing? this point, I'm not sure what the Knights have in terms of draft capital or salary cap flexibility. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that happened to the organization was competing for the Cup year one. They basically Fair depleted hell. all their assets. And the running joke I have with some of the folks close to the organization, I'm not sure that they thought trading Nick Suzuki and multiple draft picks for Tomas Tatar is a deal that was clearly going to put them in good standing. The Barbashev move is a nice piece to add up front, but I think the bigger concern you have for the Knights is goaltending. They can't seem to keep any of these guys healthy, even if they have three or four capable bodies on a nightly basis. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to give you any sympathy considering the Maple Leafs and how many playoff series they have in the last 19 years. So, uh, <laughs> Todd... I understand completely, and that's what makes the hockey world go around. We're more than happy to embrace embrace the villain role out here on the West Coast. God, I'd love it if the Leafs were villains. Oh, that'd be a nice change than what they currently are. All the best, Todd. Uh, good luck. Enjoy the games, and uh, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Absolutely. That is Todd Furman. Uh, I almost said Foreman. Furman. Furman.